0: Greetings, listeners. This is Father Dan Ruff, S.J., a Jesuit Catholic priest who works in campus ministry at St. Joseph's University, Philadelphia's Jesuit University. And I'm delighted to welcome you to Roughly Speaking. Well, I hope by now you've gotten rid of all your poinsettias and you've boxed up all the Christmas lights in wrapping paper. Because hard though it is to believe, Lent is already upon us. Did you ever stop to think about the fact that Catholics and many Episcopalians and Lutherans flock to church in droves on Ash Wednesday, even though it is not, and never has been, a holy day of obligation? What are we to make of this? What particular itch is being scratched by the observance of this feast at the beginning of every Lent? Well, first off, it's a manifestation of what I like to call the Ministry of Presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. That is, give them a present, like blessed palms or a blessing of a throat, anointing with oil of the sick, or of course, on Ash Wednesday, ashes on the forehead. Give them something and Catholics will be present. It's not so hard to figure, really. We all like to be noticed, acknowledged, touched, and attended to. And we all like getting presents. So in a world where life is increasingly scattered, isolated, hectic, and virtual, Where else but the church can you go, except maybe for your therapist, to receive a moment of individual care, recognition, and attention? Secondly, in an aggressively secularized society, where religion is expected to be strictly privatized and optional, and where political correctness studiously avoids any mention of belief, wearing ashes provides a rare moment for a quiet public witness. On Ash Wednesday, as I spot people in the street with their ashes, I sense how the early Christians must have felt when they spotted their secret sign of the fish on a building or a wall. It is comforting and encouraging to know that you are not alone in following Jesus. It's consoling to look around and think, hey, there are still quite a few of us. Anonymous ash wearers may even catch one another's eye and offer a nod or a smile of mutual recognition. Lastly, and maybe most importantly, I think the symbolism of the ashes touches something deep and primal in our human nature, something as old as our first parents in the Garden of Eden. For all of our science and technology, for all of our illusions of mastery and control, deep down we each realize that wherever we are in life, we are definitely not in Eden. The primeval order and harmony which God originally crafted in the Garden are no longer in force. Sin and death have come into our world, and they are inevitable facts in every human life. We can no longer claim innocence, as Adam and Eve could when it was written in Genesis. The man and his wife were both naked, yet they felt no shame. But except for Ash Wednesday, when we're allowed to wear the ashy smudge on our foreheads, we are generally discouraged from acknowledging the shame that we do feel outside the garden we're told that it's not our fault, that what we feel is guilt arbitrarily foisted on us by an antiquated church. Or maybe we're suffering from neuroses and psychoses as a result of our imperfect parenting. As Stephen Sondheim says in West Side Story, I'm depraved on account of I'm deprived. Surely we can be cured with antidepressants, with talk therapy, or with both. But if all that's true then why do so many people find it right and fitting, even comforting, to wear those ashes once a year? I think it's because at bottom we're all like a little girl who was being taught in a religious ed class about the effects of sin on her soul. The teacher, trying to make a theological concept accessible to her students, was explaining how the soul and state of grace was white and bright and shiny, but that sin rendered it, dark and black and ugly, and she asked her students to think about for a minute what their own souls looked like. But naturally, she didn't expect them to say aloud what they found within. Imagine her surprise then when the one little girl piped up and volunteered, you know, I think my soul is sort of stripy. Ah, yes, yeah, stripy or smeary or smudgy or ashy. Acknowledging the stripiness of our souls and doing it in a quiet but public way, even one day a year, is a great way to kick off the season of Lent. I found this a while ago on the website of the Orthodox Church in America. quote, "The season of Lent is a time of preparation for the Feast of the Resurrection of Christ. It's a time of renewed devotion, of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. It's a time of repentance a real renewal of our minds, hearts, and deeds in conformity with Christ and His teachings. It's the time, most of all, of our return to the great commandments of loving God and our neighbors. Lent is not a season of morbidity and gloominess. On the contrary, it's a time of joyfulness and purification. It is our repentance that God desires, not our remorse. We sorrow for our sins, but we do so in the joy of God's mercy. We mortify our flesh, but we do so in the joy of our resurrection into life everlasting. And so, listeners, in a special way during Lent, we remember that we are stripy, smudgy sinners, who by virtue of our happy fault and our necessary sin of Adam, very much need the redemption which Jesus won for us by his death and resurrection. And that in itself is cause for hope and rejoicing. I wish you a joyful, successful, and a deeply spiritual Lent. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of Roughly Speaking. As Father Ruff and I continue to create more content and expand our reach, it's very important for us as a new podcast to get feedback from our listeners. So if you could, it would be great if you could leave a review, maybe a rating, and let us know what you think of these episodes. Again, it's very important for early podcasts to get that support. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we hope you come back in future weeks. See you soon.